stop. Good evening, one and all. Welcome back to the week that is news, man. Episode two, I guess officially episode one, real episode. Um, find me on Twitter at the week that is, and you can reach me on the week that is dot was at gmail.com. So, um, what do we have in the news this week? A little bit more local for me than maybe you. Um, but as I say, I'll try to bring the news from a factual standpoint because I feel like way too many people just don't understand or see what is right in front of their face. Should be able to see what is right in front of your face. But we'll start with here on um, Charlottesville where we get Chris Cantwell, who is the white supremacist Nazi motherfucker that we arrested last time that they had this rally in August. And he's been banished from Virginia for five years after we finally released him from jail. Um, and he pretty much has been doing all down to nothing. And August 11th is coming, and we have Jason Kessler who is another piece of garbage from this area. He's trash. He's just white trash that, um, anyway, we'll get into him, but, um, he's just, he's hiding his hate behind the first amendment. But it's funny that now even Cantwell comes out and says that Kessler is incompetent, that it would be a suicide mission to do that rally again under his leadership. And, uh, <laughs> I was just laughing. Like, Kessler is angry because a woman was hired over him, right? Like, he felt that he was more qualified. He felt he was more qualified. And a woman was hired over him. And, like, so he's only worked for, like, five months in the last seven years. Now, like, if you see this guy or hear him talk, Kessler, you're just a dumbass. She got hired over you because you're an idiot. And you can't even get Nazis to follow you now, right? Um, maybe Bellamy has it right. Like, Kessler has a mental health issue. He's mentally ill. Um, but he blamed his, his post-Charlottesville outburst on Ambien as well. Right? That's pretty cool, right? He took, like... I guess I guess that was the thing he did successfully. Because Roseanne kind of adopted that later when she was racist. So I think Ambien needs to take a look at that. But... You know, he's just, he's not welcome in the city. He needs to disappear. And he's a racist and a Nazi. And fuck him. But, uh, you know, as I was putting this together for the week, though, he did end up pulling out his bed to have his rally. So, um, you know, when, when even Cantwell calls you incompetent, and if you've seen Cantwell, that's saying something. Um, it's like Trump calling you stupid. Um, yeah, he... Uh, um, it just wasn't to work out. So, anyway, we can move on to our next story for the week, which is Trump face planning in Helsinki, <laughs> and just a complete face plant. Like this guy, uh, I wouldn't buy a used car from him. So, as you all probably know, you know he sided with Putin in his comments. Like he's just like a scolded dog next to him. He's, he's very powerfully powerfully told me that he didn't do it um but he can't even make a come like he he later tried to redact his statement right he tried to say that when i said that russia because what he said was that i think russia would do it 
but he said Russia wouldn't do it. So he tried to change that. And when he did, he couldn't even make a complete sentence when trying to change his stance. Like, he just fumbles and mumbles his words. And and honestly, if you believe what he says at this point out of his mouth, I can't help you. Um, but he still has like an 88% approval rate in the GOP. But that only shows a couple things. It, it shows how deep the racism actually goes in America and how ignorant the public making below $85,000 a year in America is. And all of his goals are not indicative of the average American. Like, they're just not. And to believe they are, you know, is is completely irrational. Like, I can't wrap my mind around how, like, when you see the policies they want to impose and how they do it, that you don't understand that it's not good for you. And... I can't understand that. Help me understand that. So 49% of Americans, though, they want a Democratic Congress. So he got him vote. Like, he's already tried to declare war on Iran on Twitter. And he's speaking as if he were a king or a supreme leader. Like his heroes. Like, he wants a war so people will forget how incompetent he is. He really does. They call it the George Bush strategy. Um, It's not... That's what he wants, and that's where we're headed, folks, uh, believe it or not. So um, in another, like, uh, a supreme leader move, he's trying to revoke the security security clearance of six officials, like including Comey, anyone who has opposed Trump openly. Um, and, and like I say, this is the move of a dictator, an authoritarian. Like, you need to open your eyes. He's only revoking their clearance because of the fact that he... Um, that they oppose them. And these guys keep their clearance after they're retired so that they're able to still review documents. So when they're pro and their, their replacements come in and are working and they, they have problems, it's not an easy job. They can use them as consultation and they can come back and, and they can like help them with some decisions. Um, and to, to want to take their clearance is like, it's, it's unheard of, and it should be eye-opening, and unfortunately it's not to a lot of people, and that's what's scary. That's what's really scary, so it's just nuts. So we move on to we're giving $12 billion to farmers. Um, as the grandson of a dairy farmer, um, I have great respect and knowledge of what – they go through and how unappreciated their job is. But he wouldn't have to give them $12 billion in aid if he had any clue as to what a trade deficit is. Like most people don't really know. I, you know, and, and until I had to do some homework on what it is, I didn't. So he has no clue of what a trade deficit is. Like running a trade deficit isn't this horrible outlandish thing, but he's using the numbers there to have people believe that he's that he's on the right side. You know, he made the comment that, you know, a long time ago, before all of this, that the farmers are going to appreciate him. Well, he's creating the problem with this like nonsense tariff business trying to create a trade war. And now this trade war is hitting home. We're spending twelve billion to bail them out. That twelve billion we could use like for healthcare or for paying teachers or for something important. But it makes no nonsense and it, it makes no sense and it's costing us. 
Like, you can spend it on healthcare, veterans, anything. Like, if this bright orange fucktard actually understood trade, then we wouldn't have this problem. He says he's a master negotiator, but he always just accepts everyone's terms. It's like leaving the um, the summit when he said everybody agreed to pay us more money. Like, it's coming. Well, every single person there besides him said, no, we just signed the same agreement and we're not, like, upping our terms or money. So, it's nonsense. Stop believing it. Um, and then we go on to the ACA again. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's the kicker. See, this right here is proof that the GOP does not care about your country. They care about their party. Like party over country all day long, but they preach that they're not. So stop believing them. So... Nine out of 12 states, they joined this lawsuit to get rid of pre-existing condition clause. Really? So, while well, two of nine, two of those nine have openly supported the clause. And then here's the real kicker, guys. These states also record the highest number of pre-existing conditions in their states. So, they're really only doing it. And, and... The, the Department of Justice is not even defending the ACA in court. So those things right there should really hopefully open up your eyes a little bit. Because, like, your interest is going to go up. Like, and, and, like, it's somewhere like one out of four people have a pre-existing condition. You won't be able to get insurance. We're going backwards, completely backwards, because people do not understand what this is, and they're only worried about, you know, everyone's worried about their own pocket. You know, I'm worried about mine. But, like, this will save you money in the long run and save your life. So open your eyes, stop believing the bullshit that's out there, and really look at what they're saying. Um, I'm going to include a clip here at the end and, and close on this. And it's actually a little interview um, from a Vice News reporter talking to someone who did the research on the ACA thing. And I, I invite you to listen and really hear what it is that they're saying. And hopefully it'll help someone somewhere. I really hope it is. It's not the highest quality. I'll try to make it sound as good as I can because really in the interview I didn't have a way to download it. So I had to kind of make my own. But I really, really hope it helps, man. I really do. Um, but it's good to be back. I'll get a little bit more in-depth on these going down the road. Doing this one a little late and a little late at night. But um, thank you, guys. Please listen and um, enjoy it. And enjoy the interview, um, I hope. And um, I will see you guys next week, maybe sooner. I may start doing a little bit more often. But um, as of now, um, yeah, just... Take it all in and and really, really um, believe what you see and not just what you hear these um, these guys say. All right. Peace. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, July 25th. I'm Sophie Casas. 
Today, we're looking into some counterintuitive politics. How the states that are attacking Obamacare in federal court may actually suffer the most if coverage for pre-existing conditions gets cut. Before the Affordable Care Act was adopted, insurance companies routinely denied coverage to millions of people with pre-existing conditions who purchased insurance through the individual marketplace. But Obamacare ended that, making it illegal to deny coverage for pre-existing conditions. But in February, 20 Republican-led states filed a lawsuit to strike down the ACA. Well, that's not surprising. There's a bit of a catch. Many of the states that signed on to the lawsuit actually have the highest rates of pre-existing conditions. So what that means is, if the ACA were repealed and coverage for pre-existing conditions gets cut, the residents of those states would have the most to lose. This story was originally reported by Kaiser Health News. So we called up the reporter, Harriet Rowan, to help us better understand what's going on here. So here's Tonic News Editor Susan Rincunas and Harriet Rowan on the story. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So the Affordable Care Act has been controversial from the start. It's been the subject of multiple court challenges since it became law in 2010. But can you tell us a bit about the suit that 20 states filed in February? Yeah. So a group of Republican, mostly Republican attorneys general are kind of continuing the fight against Obamacare by challenging the constitutionality of the law in federal court. Their argument is that now that the individual mandate tax penalty no longer exists, the law is no longer constitutional, including all of the provisions that protect people, for instance, the provision protecting people from being uh, denied insurance for having pre-existing conditions. Right, or, or charged more for having a condition right. like that. which was very common practice before the Affordable Care Act. And what was the administration's response to this lawsuit? In a move that surprised a lot of people, the administration has chosen not to defend certain portions of the Affordable Care Act in federal court. Normally, the federal government, the Department of Justice, would defend federal laws in court against state challenges. But in this case, the Trump administration and Attorney General Sessions have decided not to defend certain portions of the law, including the portion that protects people with pre-existing conditions. Right. <laughs> so from what I understood from your article, the Department of Justice is agreeing with the part of the suit saying that pre-existing conditions protections might be unconstitutional or that they're just not going to defend that part of the law against this lawsuit. Correct. And what's happened in response to that is a group of Democratic attorneys general have filed in federal court a petition to defend the law themselves because the federal government will not be defending it. So there is a legal effort to defend the Affordable Care Act that is being led by California Attorney General and a coalition. There's 17 attorneys general that are trying to defend the law in federal court once it gets to that stage. So they're going to defend what the Department of Justice will not defend and faithfully execute. Yes, exactly. And my understanding is this is a pretty uncommon thing to happen. People were shocked that the DOJ was choosing not to defend portions of the law. 
if protections for people with pre-existing conditions are found to be unconstitutional via this lawsuit, what would that mean for the 21 million people across the country who buy their own health insurance? So it's a little unclear because there are protections that exist at the state level in some states. So it won't affect people in every state exactly the same. So what could happen is that we would go back to a system like what we had before the Affordable Care Act, where people with pre-existing conditions, when they are buying insurance on the individual market, were asked before the Affordable Care Act what kinds of pre-existing conditions they had. So things that they had been diagnosed with or treated for previously. And insurance companies had a list of these pre-existing conditions that they would choose to either deny coverage outright to charge higher premiums or to have rules about what kinds of things could or couldn't be covered for a particular person. So they might say, oh, well, you have asthma, so we'll cover you except for anything to do with your respiratory system. This was a huge complaint that people had. It was a giant barrier for people. And it is something that is wildly popular in public opinion are these protections for pre-existing conditions. So it's a politically precarious position to take for these Republican attorneys general because it's such a popular provision in the Affordable Care Act. So who are we talking about? Who could be affected here? Based on the most conservative estimates, approximately one in four people have a pre-existing condition that was likely to get them denied on the individual market. So things like diabetes or asthma, even things like acne or depression could cause, having that in your medical record could cause you to be denied for health insurance. There was an HHS estimate that suggested that one in two adults could be considered to have pre-existing conditions. So it probably affects you and most of the people that you know. And it's not just people who currently buy their own insurance. I think one of the reasons people liked the idea of protections for pre-existing conditions is because it meant that if they wanted to, say, start their own business, they could leave their job, leave their employer-sponsored health plan, and know that they couldn't be denied health coverage or charged more simply because they had diabetes or acne or depression, like you said. Yeah, there was a phenomena that people talked about before the Affordable Care Act was passed, which was people who stayed in jobs because it provided health insurance through the employer, through a group, and those kinds of health insurance plans, they were already not allowed to discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions. After Obamacare was passed, they were able to freelance or work on their own or start their own business because they would be able to get insurance that would actually cover them and all of their medical conditions. Your story points out that nine of the states signed on to the lawsuit have the highest rates of pre-existing conditions in the country. That seems fairly counterintuitive. Can you tell us what's going on there? So I started working on this story just trying to, I'm a data reporter, so I was talking to my editor and we were trying to look for numbers that could explain this whole issue of pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions is kind of a vague term. It's used, it's not a medical term. It's used by health insurance companies to identify people who have higher health insurance costs. It is hard to nail down exactly how many people are affected. And so I started looking around for the best data on this kind of stuff. And I 
found data from the Kaiser Family Foundation. It came out a few years ago, and they broke it down by state. And so I was interested in looking at which states had the highest rates and why, and to see what kinds of things I could find in those numbers. So I started going through that. I had a spreadsheet with the rates of the states. I sorted it to see what the highest rates were. The highest rate is in West Virginia. The rate is 36%. So 36% of adults under 65 have a pre-existing condition that was likely to have been denied under the rules pre-Obamacare. And then I was reading the lawsuit filed by the 20 Republican states, and I started checking off which states on that list were in the lawsuit, and I you know, went down the first 10, 11, 12 states on the list, and almost every single one of them had signed on to the lawsuit. Right. A lot of these states on the lawsuit would actually suffer the most if the pre-existing conditions protections went away. So I'm curious what the states are saying about protecting their residents. Are they saying that they're going to do something? Are they saying, we'll worry about that later? What's their response to the fact that they would be leaving people vulnerable? I wasn't really able to get a good answer. I called a ton of attorneys general offices, and people were not very enthusiastic to talk to me about it. From other media appearances and the responses that I was able to get, it's clear that the Republican attorneys general who are filing these lawsuits know that it's not a popular position to take, that there should not be protections for people with pre-existing conditions. And they have said, including the Arizona attorney general and the West Virginia attorney general, have both said publicly that they support protections for pre-existing conditions. But yet they are pursuing a legal strategy that could get rid of those protections. And so it's a little bit of a tightrope that they're walking. I mean, to be fair, the attorneys general can't, they aren't legislators, they don't write laws. um, And so they can't propose these laws that would protect people on the state level. But, you know, if they say they, they support them, it seems a little counterintuitive to be challenging those laws. So this is a lawsuit and it might take a while for this to actually move through the courts but could it affect people's insurance next year in any way, perhaps prices? And how does this fit into the larger scope of the Trump administration's attacks on healthcare, given that they're not going to defend the lawsuit? It's unclear what the immediate consequences of this lawsuit are going to be or if there will be immediate changes. Some of my colleagues at at, um, Kaiser Health News have reported on this. It doesn't seem like most experts think that things will change quickly, but I think people really don't know what will happen in the courts once this lawsuit gets going. But it is a possibility that the Affordable Care Act will be overturned by the federal courts once this process is done. And if that were to happen, people living in states that don't have state-level protections, those people might once again have a hard time buying insurance on the individual market if they don't have insurance through a government program or through their job. Republicans for the last six years have been trying to overturn the ACA. It's been something that they campaign on, something that they talk about all the time. Trump obviously has discussed the Affordable Care Act and overturning it many times, but he's also said that he supports protections for pre-existing conditions. And he said previously that those parts of the ACA are the best parts of the ACA, but his DOJ is choosing not to defend those portions of the law. So it's part of a long-standing, well-funded effort to overturn the ACA, and it's just the most recent manifestation of that struggle. It sure is. Thank you, Harriet, so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. To read Harriet Rowan's full article, 
go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.